Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Facing Curiosity. I'm Eric Wenzel, your host, as always, and thank you for joining me on this journey. And today's guest, we have Diana Fernares. She is a boxing instructor and coach over in Baltimore, Maryland. And Baltimore, Maryland, you say, I've said it many times, I'm in Chicago. So this is the first episode I've ever recorded over Skype. So it's an online interview, and Diana, our story goes kind of 10 years ago. We were... Uh, classmates in high school and she moved away and went to school and things like that and I never really kept in touch with her um, We, I just knew of her and randomly stumbled across her Instagram and saw that she was now a boxing instructor and for me anyone who kind of breaks the mold it doesn't fit into your perception of what something is right so in my scenario a boxing instructor uh, in my mind's eye I think of a tough maybe bearded man or something like that right and uh she is not what you'd expect and I, I really think that's an amazing story in itself and you know just as that reason to reach out to her um i wound up learning a lot more about her story and i think you know she was really vulnerable in telling me about her life and what's happened and how she became the boxing instructor that she is today and how much it helps her and then her ability to then take the passion that helped her do it and um transition that to be able to take it to other people as a coach is is really powerful and this story really shows just how much it's helped her and her way of articulating those things is really awesome to me and and it shows too that this the ideas that we're playing with here don't have boundaries you know i've talked to a lot of my friends you guys have heard it here but they they transcend something and i i really I, I'm, I don't hold any ownership to these things, but I think th- these are powerful things happening here. And, and Diana really captures it with what she says here, I think. And and I, I really can't thank her enough for being vulnerable in the scenario and just being able to, me reaching out to her randomly and, and being forthcoming and to continue on and, and do the interview with me because uh, this is a new experiment for me, just reaching out to people and say, hey, I want to get your story. And I really think getting stories, you know, lightning in a bottle in some ways is really what drives this whole thing. So with that, everyone, please give it up for my conversation with Diana Fernares. All right, everyone, we're doing another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm joined by Diana Fernares. What's up, guys? My name is Diana Fernaris. I'm here in Baltimore, Maryland, and I was asked by Eric to join him on this podcast today, and I was honored. I'm excited. I've um, I've never done a podcast before, so I was excited to share my story. Yeah, this is cool. So we went to high school together. Yes. Right? I think I think the best place to start is there, and then where your story took you from then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. So I went to high school um, at Conant High in uh, Schaumburg or Hoffman Estates. Yeah. It was Hoffman, right? Yeah. Hoffman Estates, Illinois. And uh, after high school, I decided to go to the University of Iowa. And honestly, at the time, I chose the University of Iowa because my sister had went there and I was comfortable with it. I'd been there for, you know, Hawkeye games. Um, I was excited about, you know, how big the campus was, how much it had to offer. And I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. That's what I knew at the time. I I thought Mm -hmm. that I knew that, you know? Yeah. And so I went into, I went into the University of Iowa thinking that I wanted to become a dentist. 
Um, and that, that completely changed by the time um, <laughs> I was a senior. Um, what happened was I was into my freshman and sophomore year and I was just doing terribly, honestly, in the, in the science classes and the, in the chemistry classes and the, in the biology classes, I just could not, could not focus on it, could not find passion behind it, could not, I don't know. I just, I was more, honestly, I was more interested in, you know, meeting people and the social life and all that. Mm -hmm. And then I joined Dance Marathon, um, which is an organization that raises uh, money for children with cancer at the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. And so I decided to, you know, join the organization and check it out. And I fell in love with it. And um, through that organization, I met um, these really cool people called Child Life Specialists. And they basically worked with people, um, children in the hospital, who have, you know, terminal illness, chronic illness, um, even just long-term hospitalization. And they work with the children through play therapy. They help them cope with the hospitalization through play. So I thought that was such a cool, you know, different field. It's really pretty new as far as professions go, really like 40 years old. Oh, wow. And, um, That's very new yeah. in the medical field. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty freaking new. And um, I, I was very intrigued by it, and so I shadowed it, and I went, you know, and I, I worked on the um, pediatric oncology unit where oh, wow. I was a child life assistant, and um, it was tough. I remember the first time I ever worked there, I cried. I cried all night because I had seen I had seen a kid like, you know, just basically dying. You know, right. yellow, his skin was yellow, and he was mm-hmm. talking about you know he was crying and he was just saying how he was having one of his moments and, um, and and then in that moment I was like oh I gotta do this you know I loved I loved the fact that it was like changing people's lives and you know mm-hmm. you know working with people working with kids and that was what I was like very interested in so I, I did a little one eighty and um, decided to you know, pursue that career. And, uh, it went well. And I was, you know, I majored in therapeutic recreation and Spanish with a minor in psychology. And then, um, what happened was I, I decided to do an internship. I had to do an internship, but, um, the internship I chose was in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, the, the reason I chose an internship so far away was because they offered a dual internship. So it was dual child oh. life and therapeutic recreation certification. So I could be both a child life specialist and therapeutic recreation specialist. So it just offered mm-hmm. like a little more opportunities and all that. So I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, Baltimore, Maryland, what's cool. up, you know? And uh, I had heard so many things about Baltimore, like, watch out, you know, there's riots there, you know, it's not safe. And I was thinking to myself, you guys are from Chicago. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> give it a break. Um, and so I, you know, decided to, after the internship, the internship went really well. Um, they offered me the job. And I decided to stay, you know, I was like, oh, it'll just be, you know, a short term thing. Yeah. And um, I started working at the hospital and, you know, it was great. I really, truly enjoyed working at Mount Washington Pediatric Hospital. It was a small hospital. It was a rehab hospital. So these kids were there for like at least four to six weeks on average. So you really got to build, you know, a nice rapport with the kids and families. And um, a couple months in, it just it started to take a turn where it was like, so emotionally draining, you know? Yeah, every I can only imagine. I mean. Yeah. I mean, seeing those kids who were abused every day, you know, parents would bring them in and drop them off and you'd never see the parents again. Um, kids who died, you know, just stuff like that. And it was, yeah. I was seeing it every single day. And it started to take a toll on me because I just, I have a hard time separating my heart from my work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it takes a special kind of person to not let it bother them, right? 
Yeah, I agree. I have like a whole new admiration for that. I have a whole new admiration for that profession now because I mean, at the end of the day, it was it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. And in a hospital environment, unfortunately, a lot of times they they um, prefer quantity over quality. And so I was being like told in my ear, like, you need to see more patients. You need to do more. You need to oh, be, right. you need to be more. And, Is this and like one of those big hospitals too? So like, it was, it was even just a small hospital actually. But oh, wow. Okay. I think, I think that that rings true for many hospitals, just that like they, they want to see as many patients as possible as possible. And at the end of the day, a hospital is a business, you know? Right. Exactly. And so, and so I, I could not, I could not take that. Like I hated the fact that you know, I had to be like, you know, I was giving my all and then someone else was telling me, no, you have to do more. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, how can I do more if I'm already giving it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, right. it sounds like a relationship, right? Where someone's like asking you to do more, but you're like, I'm already running at 110%. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like that. And so there came a point where like, it was just affecting my physical health. Mm -hmm. I mean, every week there was something different. I was taking off a lot of time at work. I was, and at first I was like, oh, this is just a physical thing. You know, something's going on. But at the end of the day, it was a mental thing. And I ended up uh, back in January of 2017, I had a manic episode. Oh, wow. And was in the hospital for nine days. Um, Yeah. And I was diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. And that was a pretty tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Um, And it completely changed my life. Um, after, after I got out of the hospital, you know, I never returned to Mount Washington Mm -hmm. and, um, I took like three months off just to, just to be, just to, you know, take it all in. And Mm -hmm. man, it was tough. You know, I was really, I was really down and out. So, so what did, what helped you get through that? Cause, cause obviously it wasn't something that you were, you know, just latent, it was stress induced. Right. right? So Right. right. anything that you could share, like to help because I guarantee you there's someone out there who's going to listen to this that's dealing with something similar, even if it's not yeah. diagnosed. Yeah, 100%. So what helped me the most through that time was um, finding support in people. And like, for example, my my boyfriend, Ron, was my biggest rock. Um, my mother was my biggest rock. One of my friends, um, Lena, she who I met on study abroad, actually, she um, was also one of my biggest rocks and just my whole family. And I, you know, I don't want to exclude anybody, but I'm just listing these people because these people were so important to me at that time. Ron, especially, um, he's a boxing instructor. He's been boxing since he was four. He has been teaching it since he was 16. He's fought, you know, so he, (laughs) he was the one who introduced me to boxing Mm -hmm. and, um, and he's the one that literally brought his mitts to the hospital on day one and, was have and brought my gloves and we were boxing, you know, and That's it was awesome. like, it was like, that was what got me through it. The boxing. Yeah. I mean, boxing is, although a violent sport, it's very meditative mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, you know, it's about hitting, it's about, you know, releasing, it's about, you know, following a combination and you have to be really laser focused, you know, yeah. your mind has yeah. to be focused. Your mind can't think about, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm really high up. You know, yeah. you can only think about what's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. It kind of puts you in that like fight or flight mode. So honestly, boxing is what got me through and that's, my family, so cool. and it, friends. It, it like really solidifies a few things for me that, to hear that kind of thing is is a lot of the, the things is when you have negative thought patterns or negative emotions, you know, it's that slippery slope. And 
they, yeah. they always say is get out of your mind and into the body. It's like one of the huge, huge things you can do, right? Because yeah. when you do that, you break that pattern interrupt and your your body, you can't force to think about, oh no, like, you know, the anxiety or the the depression or whatever. Like, you know, you're, right. you're, you're thinking about the past and future. It just locks you in right into that present moment you know it's it's either like 100 percent. you know it's like that lift you, you all you have is that one rep to do right now or you have that one like make sure you don't get hit if you're talking about boxing <laughs> right exactly <laughs> exactly I, I, it's really and, cool like go ahead continue thanks yeah no and that's how and like boxing like just like what you said like that's how i learned about meditation mm-hmm. and so two books like completely changed you know my trajectory as far as like mindset goes and my mind my thinking patterns go mm-hmm. and it's um well the power of now and okay. um, that's by Eckhart Tolle and then wherever you go there you are which is a mindfulness meditation book by John mm-hmm. Kabat-Zinn um both books just basically um address like being in the present moment and how important it is just to connect to your breath um because I wasn't doing that at all. I was, I was moving through my life like, okay, what next? What next? You know, like yeah. I was, I was, I was in the car thinking about ten other things. By the way, got in two accidents because of that. Like literally, total wow. two cars. So you know, it was a rough period of my life because I was just constantly like, just focused on each or, either like the next day or the next thing or the next moment mm-hmm. or what just happened and dwelling yeah. on it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think a lot of people need to realize that. Sometimes it's not about being to the next thing, but just letting your brain relax, you know? Right, right. <laughs> in, in our society, I feel like we don't give ourselves enough room to just be and yes. to accept where we are. Yes. And it's so unnatural because we're so used to that, that you know, American philosophy of <laughs> always be on the, to the next thing, you know, the yes. just push through the grind, you know, the, the embracing of the grind, so to speak. Yeah. I've been really learning that myself lately is just trying to be like, okay, you could decide to stay up an extra hour to finish whatever you were doing, but is that extra hour really going to be as good? You know, there's a diminishing returns on these certain kind of things. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what that's like. I mean, you're into weightlifting now, right? I mean, you know that that sleep is important and, you know. Oh, man. I mean, I have two different wearables on me right now that both track my sleep like crazy. Oh, sweet. Yeah. If you've seen my Instagram, I've been sharing it because I've been comparing the the data of the two to see what they're doing. And I mean, it's just been, I just finished reading a book um, called Why We Sleep. It's uh, basically looks at all of the science about what sleeping does for people. And like, just that broadly speaking, so like if you get enough of sleep, this is all the positive benefits, but then if you limit sleep, here's like all the negative benefits that come with it. And it's crazy. It's just insane. Mm. And mm. like the, yeah. the, the biggest like one sentence summary is sleep is the number one performance enhancing drug you can do for yourself. Get more sleep. Wow. Like that's like the one sentence summary of the entire thing. <laughs> I love it. It's you so know? good. So- so simply and well put. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I, so that's one of the things I've been focusing on myself lately is prioritizing sleep over everything else. Good for you. And you find <laughs> it is helping? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just makes everything better. You know, when you don't yeah. have to wake up to an alarm and you're like, oh, no. I'm, <laughs> you know, that like that rush, the rude awakening of an alarm, you know. That, that dread. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like this, they also do the science of that, too. Like the when you get interrupted in your sleep rather than waking up naturally, you're like interrupted mid-cycle, so that can have detriment uh, to your recovery process there. 
because right. your body is like pulled right out of sleep and all of a sudden it's like goes into a flight or flight response kind of. So you get a cortisol spike and all that stuff. But, I mean, technically there already is one of those things, but right. it's worse. <laughs> so, do you, so do you wake up naturally every single morning? So for the last month and a half, mostly yes. I've been, I have turned off all of my alarms and I make sure I have like a tire ritual built into getting to sleep at least as effectively as possible. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah, so it's like one of the big things I've been experimenting with is is prioritizing this sleep stuff. So it'll be like my wind down routine at the end of the night is so all of my screens it go do like orange tinting. I don't know if you've heard of this yet. So it's like the blue lights from our laptops help like help us stay awake unnaturally. Yes, yes, and I've heard that. Like staying like on your phone right before bed is like yeah. really to your sleep i've heard that yeah yeah so in software now they've added all these like night modes basically so if you go under the display settings on your laptops or your iphone or any of them you can turn on a night light basically so it makes this screen more orangish and that'll help oh. reduce the blue light and it helps it really helps and because like right now when with the seasonal shift where everything's getting darker at about 5 p.m i have it set so it automatically adjusts to the sunset sunrise so it's more natural like a typical day because i'm going to be in front of a computer most of the day anyways but you know so you have to you have to pick and choose your battles and just you know (laughs) limiting certain things and then at the end of the day too is i try to put my phone down for at least the last hour don't look at it at all and then i read a book like one chapter and then i turn on what i use is binaural beats right now is my one sleep remedy so it's like really tonal music and it's really melodic kind of and like mostly nature sounds and i wow. said and i set a timer for 21 minutes and turn off all of the lights and make the room as dark as possible and then i go to sleep that sounds so <laughs> peaceful yeah <laughs> so that's what Do i mean you, and, and you feel like that's helped oh yeah absolutely yeah i i gotta say i i too have been like limiting my phone time and my phone use like a few mm-hmm. a couple hours before bed and it just improves just like even my mood in the morning yeah. too like how I wake up, how I feel in the morning, what I'm thinking about, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think I think getting away from the phone is a really important thing. Yes. Because there's so much on there that distracts people, right? Like, yeah. you, you know, there's so much. I, I try to think of it, you know, I'm an engineer, so I, I always think of things from like engineering system design level things. And <laughs> it's like there's a, so much like noise that the these phones create, right? Things that seem important and are funny, you know, with like memes or whatever. But at the end of the day, they don't really add anything to your life except wasting your time. It's true. (laughs) More or less, right? It's so true. (laughs) It's so true. And even like social media stuff, you know, people get very wrapped up in that and about how many likes they're getting or how many views they're getting. And it's like, in the day, like that stuff, like in 10 years, will that matter? Right, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> no so you're 100 percent right it's like one of those things that i try to be mindful of as much as possible because you know obviously these devices are going to be in our life all for like for the rest of our life you know we've seen these technologies basically grow into what they are during our own lifetimes you know and yeah being able to ma- self-manage them you know like all the social media media stuff is is going to be what separates you from someone who is successful and isn't successful basically and it, the way i view it yeah, I agree with you. I really do. Because <laughs> these companies, I mean, they have money to throw at these things and make them addicting. 
you know, addicting. The, They're like a drug. They, I mean, that's exactly what they are. They give you little dopamine hits because every time you see a little notification, you feel good about yourself, and you're like, right, hey, you know, someone liked my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so superficial, though, right? One hundred percent. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. You go. I was just gonna say. So that's like what these podcasts are. You know, it, it's yeah. I, I really view conversation as a lost art. And, and, you know, during any of these, we, when you're there and I mean, obviously we're not sitting across from each other, but I'm not thinking about anything else of what I need to do in my day right now. It's just this, whatever this turns out to be. I don't, and I don't know what it is. There's no plan. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Story, right? (laughs) Right, right. I do feel like conversation is something that is definitely harder these days with people. Even, I mean, I find it and I, ha- I hate to say it or like generalize, but like when I speak with like older people or like people who are just like a few years older than me, it seems like it's easier. Mm-hmm. Whereas like people my age, a lot of times it's hard because like I feel like they're either thinking about something else or they're on their phone. They're literally they're on their distracted. phone in front of me. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're and, a trainer, so you probably see this, right? Do you see people who come in with their phones? I mean, <clears> a little <throat> bit harder with boxing since you've got your hands covered, but yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll see people like do this. Like we're in the middle of a session and then mm-hmm. halfway through, I need to check my phone, you know? Like, what? That is so ridiculous yes. to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I will say this. It's much more rare yeah. than like the, the opposite. Like I get, I've been getting, you know, a lot of positive, you know, responses, you know, people who are very focused, very, mm-hmm. you know, mindful throughout the session. I think boxing is like, just naturally does that for people. Yeah. I think most martial mm-hmm. arts are like that. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, I, I do see that sometimes where people are in there and, you know, they're on their phone or they're just completely disconnected from the people around yeah. them. And what's cool about gyms is like, it's a community of people, you know, doing the same thing and there for the same reasons, right. you know, a lot of the same reasons, you know? Especially so. like you're like a gym like yours. That's, it's only boxing, right? Or mostly boxing? It's mostly boxing. Yeah. We do yeah, some so strength you, training so have, as well. So you have smaller, a smaller community of people. So like, you know, you got people who come in on the same days of the week, every week and they become friends. You know, exactly. <laughs> and I think it that's is. really it's, cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. The gym where I work, it's called Knockout Fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, we just started, Ron and I started working there like uh, at the beginning of October. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. It, it's been a, a huge blessing. I mean, we were at um, a big box gym before this, mm-hmm. something like similar to like a lifetime or like I go a to export fitness. myself. Export. Yeah. And nothing, nothing at all wrong with those gyms. But as a trainer, um, it's, as a boxing trainer, it's nice to have a gym where it's focused on boxing, you know, yeah. somewhere where you can grow with boxing. Yeah, I was going to say, because it, it helps the trainers because they get to learn more and stuff like that. Exactly. You know, I'm working next to people who've been fighting their whole life. I'm working next to people who just want to fight, you know. Yeah. I'm working, I'm working next to people who are just, like, really creative and passionate. And what's cool about this gym is there's no rules. It's not like you have to listen to the G-rated uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> you can oh, blast yeah. some Tupac, you know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> It's great. And it's not just about that, but it's just about, I feel like we can both just be completely ourselves in our job, which is, I think, really rare and unique. I think that's the kind of thing you need to find. I I think that's the kind of thing people want in their own life, right? I think that's what people are always searching for in in some way, is being able to be completely in their own element, whatever that turns out to be. And that's not to say that, you know, a passion is something, something sometimes to me is like, Passion is such a wrong word for describing what you wind up being because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you just kind of throw so much shit at the wall 
and then see whatever sticks. Cause you don't know what is going to call your name. Right. That's so true. God, <laughs> in high school, I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be a boxing coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think your story is even more unique. I, I think it's, you should describe yourself so that it makes it even more. I, I, I just love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love people who d- d- defy any sort of stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Cause like who, okay. Who would expect like a short, I'm five foot tall. I'm a, I'm a girl. Yeah. Who would expect a five foot tall girl to be in Baltimore, Maryland, training at a gym downtown at a, bo- a boxing gym, you know? Right. I mean, you're, you're the farthest thing from what someone would assume as a boxing. Any, well, one, even enjoying boxing and two, being a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes like I forget like that it's like weird or like different and people are like, oh yeah. my God, like, wow, you're a girl and you do this and wow, you know, I'm like. Right. Well, it's my life, you know, like what, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then people look at you funny. They go cross-eyed for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I, I get that all the time. Like what, so I'm self-taught at everything, health, nutrition and stuff like that. And I have Mm -hmm. a lot of friends of mine who are now nurses and things like that too, but I'm able to hold conversations with those people because of how much I've just learned from just absorbing information from whatever, like before we started recording, I told you absorb information podcasts and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I took a, you know, when I started in IU, I needed like a one credit hour thing to get um, 12 credit hours for full time. And so I'm like, well, I'm already working out and it'd be cool just to like be there and work out. So I took a one credit hour weightlifting class and it's like run by a grad student TA. So he's like a coach or something on campus. And he's like asking all these like high level questions to this like 10 a.m. class. And he's <laughs> like, so what's this number that everyone uses to like, you know, judge off of your... Uh, like one rep max. And I was like, I knew it. And I was like, oh, it's VO2 max. And he looked at me like I was weird. He's like, wait, are you like an exercise physiology major? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm an engineer. And then he looked at me cross-eyed because he's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you just love that? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I live for that because my entire thing is, you know, it, it might be a little arrogant or whatever, but the, the jack of all trades, master of none, Yes. Idea. That's like me. That's who I am. Same. Like, like I don't care about what, what labels mean. Like to pick a degree was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. Cause I had all of these interests that made no sense. And I knew that if I, whatever I decided to pick, I would be able to just get through it and be interested in it. But I didn't want to pick something that would close doors. If that makes sense. It does. Cause like, if you pick something in like the hard sciences, like, I don't know, like, if you think of something in a museum, right, you wind up closing certain doors to yourself because you, mm-hmm. your skill set is so diff- like limited that you just can't easily translate it as much. So I was like, Ugh. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I was just like, oh, this sucks. And so that's why I picked engineering because it's just and even like now I have a way different viewpoint on it because it's more of just like a mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just yeah. use it as like a lens to be able to operate within the world it's a problem solving lens (laughs) right right and here you are also doing a podcast you know like that's it's two very you know different things and I think that's so cool like I I, I think there's something to be said about like the value of like I don't know just even for your mind like doing different oh yeah like stepping out of your own comfort zone I mean I do that all the time is trying to just anything it's one of my late things it's like if there's something I'm like oh I don't want to do that then I force myself to do it like the big one right now is like running or something like doing some Mm. sort of like some sort of cardio for like maybe 10 minutes I'm like oh that sucks I don't really want to do that I'm like well now you're doing it (laughs) 
<laughs> or like sauna. Sauna's been another big one for me. For oh, from the a, sauna. From a recovery standpoint, I try to go in there for like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, it like, can get... It can get painful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, th- there's something about just sweating and dying that is really enjoyable to me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have you ever done hot yoga? No, but my friends, my, one of my friends is always is trying to talk me into it, and I'm debating. I'll probably do it Ooh, one day. There's nothing like it. I know. I've, that's what I've heard. In my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you just feel like you've never sweat so much in your life. Yeah. And then you also feel like all of the toxins have left your body. Right. But I mean, that's, that's why just I like me. sauna. I get, it just feel it's like afterwards, it's like, so like right now I'm really sore because two days ago I did, I finally had like my own Zen moment where I didn't have anything to do on like Thursday. I'm like, it's my early day and like quote unquote half day because I only have school until like two. Okay. <laughs> and so then I have the rest of the day to, to just do whatever I wanted. And so I went to the gym and I worked out for like two and a half hours. It was like a little bit of warm up, like functional, like fit like weightlifting with like kettlebells and then I did like a half hour of cardio and then I did like traditional weightlifting at the end like low rep stuff and I was or high rep stuff and then I went to the sauna for 20 minutes and I was like that was weird (laughs) I don't know why I did it (laughs) but it was just like by the time I was like halfway done with cardio it was just kind of like in the zone and it was like well I could just keep going for a while now (laughs) I love it that's the best when you don't have any plans for the day and you're like I could just do anything and everything here yeah (laughs) I, I just needed like a reset button because it's been crazy. My schedule is so full with work and school and then senior design project with the school stuff. That's like a its own separate deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And reset buttons are so necessary, aren't they? Are they not? Oh, my God. I just can't wait for the semester to be over so I can just data dump half the things I'm worrying about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to get to the holidays and have Thanksgiving and all that stuff yes. to, to look forward to. Exactly. I know. That's what I love about this time of year. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. So other than that, like, do you want to explain how, like, the boxing stuff for yourself and just, like, your trajectory into it? Because you kind of, like... Yeah. Um, so I... You mean like from the hospital and stuff and all that? Yeah, three just kind of continue on. Yeah, for sure. So I, after the hospital, after I had like a three month, you know, break of, you know, not working, searching for random jobs, you know, interviewing at random jobs that I thought, you know, would just do it, do the trick, you know, yeah, just like tie pay, over. pay the bills, yeah. like whatever, you know. Um, and so after all that, I was like, I was completely broken down. I was like, what, you know, what? in my life is giving me joy right now. Like what in my life mm-hmm. is just like somewhere that I, something that I'm, you know, passionate about. And it was boxing. That was the only thing at the time. And I was like, let me just, you know, shadow Ron and just be there at the gym every day. Like see what it's like, you know? Yeah. And I, every day I was there, I was, I was at the gym. Like it was something that like got me out of bed in the morning. It was something that like got me motivated every day to get up and get to, you know, get to the gym and it would help me not, it helped me, it helped me, yeah, it it helped me not only like get through some like mental stuff, but it also helped me figure out, damn, I want to do this. I want to do this. You know, I want to teach this because I am passionate about it and I do believe in, you know, the healing Mm -hmm. effects of it, not only just for like someone with bipolar, but someone with you know, who's really busy with work on a day-to-day basis. It's a really good release. Someone who's got anger, someone who's got relationship issues, like 
you'd be surprised at the stuff we talk about in some of our sessions. Yeah. You know, I mean, it becomes clients. like therapy for a lot of people. Yeah. Do you, and, you know, um, do you notice that like when you're going through, I mean, since you do it every day, it might be a little bit different, but do you notice like that kind of like, it's not really rage, but like that underlying tension, you just feel calmer because you're always releasing physically in I, some way. I, yeah. In a way I do. I do. And it's, it's more, it's less about releasing physically and more about um, just being in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like work forces me to be in the moment. Like I could yeah, be right. having a shitty morning. I could be, you know, feeling down and out. And um, I'm like, okay, I know if I get to work, I'll be fine. Because as soon as I get to work, it's like I can just boom. I zap out of it. Like I'm yeah. just, I'm in the moment. I'm with people. I have to be laser focused on them, on their bodies, totally on their movements. Sense. Yeah. And so that's really what, gives me calm and gives me the ability to, you know, do what I do and feel better every day. It's like, mm -hmm. it's selfishly, like it's for me too, you know, like right. it's not it's for well, these it's, people, it's, it's also for me. It almost reminds, it's like, for some reason I just kind of got this like a thought where it's like, you yeah. know, if you're holding pads, right. And say you're like having a terrible morning or whatever, and you like need a cup of coffee, but like holding those pads is a whole different kind of <laughs> cup of coffee, right? Cause if you're not <laughs> squared away after that first punch, you're like, Oh, okay. Never mind. I gotta be. I gotta be here right now. It's so true, though, Eric. It's so funny you say that. <laughs> I've never even like, held a pad in my life, but I'm just kind of thinking about it. <laughs> no, that's you're smart. That's very true. And like, I've had that before. Where like, literally, I've almost been punched in the face, like because right. I was thinking about something else. And I always know it's like, it's like one of those meditation like biofeedback headbands where they like mm -hmm. the wind chimes start dinging as soon as they notice your mind is overactive, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. As soon as my mind starts being overactive, boom, someone almost hits me. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, too. So, like, some people I don't think would be like boxing and meditation. They wouldn't assume that would easily go hand in hand. And, <laughs> and it's so funny that you're talking about it. I mean, it's, this has like been a thing that's been in my life from other podcasts for a long time. But as a person who's so type A, it's hard to – it was hard to give meditation a chance. But I, I have a blog post that I put up a week ago about my first 30 days of doing it basically straight for at least 10 minutes. And so wow. it's, it's really funny that you're talking about it because it's one of those things that if you're not trained or at least like give it its honest chance. And I think probably like seven to 10 days consecutive needs to be the minimum. <laughs> yeah. For your, Heck yeah. Cause it feels, it feels like there's like a switch that flips after a while where it's like mm -hmm. at first you're like just working out knots in your brain because you don't know what you're doing and you feel like it's super unproductive. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Like your, your ego mind is like, Oh my God, why aren't you doing anything else? Right. You're just sitting here. You should be doing the dishes. You should be calling your mom. You're right. doing this. Yeah. <laughs> the monkey brain. Some the people who've described it to me is some of the people who are other type A have described it as the monkey brain who just <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, who thinks about something on the wall, you know, if you're not with your eyes closed or something and you're like, what yeah. are you doing, brain? <laughs> yes. Now, I got to ask, how has meditation helped you? Has so, it helped you? Oh, my God. It's crazy. I mean, even I've had some pretty. So the app I use is called Headspace. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, I've used and, that one before. That's a good and one. So the reason I bought it, though, for that one, or I actually spent money on it, is because they came out with a student deal for a year. It's like nine ninety nine for an entire year. So I'm like, this is totally worth it. Like, I'm worth it. Because <laughs> it's like normally like $50 or something for an entire year. So it's pretty expensive. Not really. I mean, if you really – it's expensive if you don't understand it. But for the yes. price point, it, yes. it totally is worth the money. 
if you need it. Like I think once after a while, I don't think you'll need to have to use an app because you've just been, you know, trained your brain in a way to be able to just kind of lock into a mode. And I kind of noticed it too is the, so it starts out with simple like breathing meditation where you're just focusing on the breath and you're not thinking about thoughts. You know, the, the best metaphor I've been able to, that resonated with me is the idea of the, of the river, like a stream and on that stream are leaves and those leaves are your thoughts, right? And so in everyday operation, we're picking up every single leaf and giving it a second and then putting it back. Whereas when you're in a meditative state, you're you're just letting those leaves flow by. You acknowledge that they're there, but you don't pick any of them up. I love that. My, <laughs> it's funny you say that because my psychiatrist and I talk about that all the time. Just mm-hmm. like not every thought is truth. You know, mm-hmm. let, the, let the thought be the leaf that flows. You know, yeah. it's so I think that's a beautiful way to put it and, a, yeah. and an easy way for like the mind to picture it. Yeah. And well, because it's more calming because there's, there's been other metaphors with like cars, like traffic or something. And I, think, <laughs> I don't know if that's super good to talk about because it's not the most calm scenario. But I guess some people's brains would be like, you know, a highway and you just have all of these things just flying down the road. You know, yeah. so I guess it, I guess it's whatever you see it as, but it. Yeah. I, I try to view it that way, and I think for a while, like I was using my workouts as a meditative state, where I would just go in there and just kind of detach, you know, just like you've been doing with boxing. But I think I needed more, more of a mental recharge because it's a different type of muscle, so to speak. At it least, is. That's kind of what I'm viewing it as. It's a different kind of workout, right? And the. You know, we, we, I think a lot of people now, at least in our generation, kind of view the world in, in these separate scenarios. It's like, you know, mind, body, and um, now I'm starting to view this third thing. And I don't know if you want to call it soul or I don't know what you call it yet, but it's some broad form of spirituality where you're yeah. getting outside of your physical being and just being present, I guess, is kind of the – it's so new to me and I don't know how to articulate it properly because it's – that's like yeah, was I, my trajectory so far is like I had the intellectual side kind of figured out. And then there was this thing I knew that I didn't have the body, you know, the physical aspect wasn't in line, you know, nutrition and working out and being healthy, broadly speaking. And now I'm discovering this third aspect of just kind of, I guess, detaching from normal stream of consciousness. I guess yeah. that's, I don't know how to, it, it's very, <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. Like in my, um, meditation book, it, they talk about that, like, um, and they, they call it so like, and I hate to use this word because like, it's so misused and like, and people like <laughs> think about it like as, um, one religion. I'm not yeah. talking about any religion when I say this, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's like your own, like your God, like, right. Like right. inside you, like your, your being, your presence. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what I like to describe it as like, and it's not saying like, oh, that man up, up in heaven, you yeah. know, that, that big old man up, up above, you know, yeah. it's not, that's not to me like what I think of when I think of God, like the God that flows through you, that flows through all of us, that kind of connects us all that like yeah. the reason we're having a conversation right now, the reason we're able to talk so freely, like that's, that's beautiful. You know, that's right. God. Like I think meditation is so important and I'm sure you realize that too oh, through I, your I, practice. I, I, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things too for me. The only reason I got into it was because all of these people that I would listen to and, you know, would call mentors and stuff, 
would say the positive benefits of it. And I'm like, I don't know, right? <laughs> but then after you hear it a hundred times and everyone's like, oh, you gotta try it. This is super helpful for me. Like, or, and even if they don't call it like straight up meditation, they call it like yeah. mindfulness practice or just something that puts them into their moment. You're yeah. like, okay, there's something to this. Especially too, if those people are top performers in the world. You know, if they're taking right. 10 minutes and they're like multi-billionaires or whatever, like, there, then you can take one minute and relax too. <laughs> right. Like I want to take a page out of their book. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I think talking about it makes it that much more prevalent to, to everybody else. Cause you know, we all have different circles and certain people are just gonna be like, well, they're just that person. They, of course they have money to throw out the problem or whatever. Right. They'll explain it away in any way, but right. being and able like, to bring it down to a different level, I think has value for people. I agree. And like going back to like the mental health talk, like right. I think I think meditation is so or mindfulness is so important in in like dealing with any mental health mm-hmm. disorder because it just connects you to yourself. And I yes. think that's that's the key in mental health. It's just like coming back to your own yeah. self. You know, well, and you stop the spiral too, because we all know that you know the negative. Oh, for sure, neg- it happens. The negative spiral yeah. when you when you let your mind wander and you get stuck into a negative pattern. You have to have a pattern interrupt in whatever way you design it for yourself, and I and I think you can design these things even without having those issues. You know, like actually having a, a therapist or something like that. But I still think. 100%. Being able to have someone that you can talk to that's not who's outside of your own life and is going to be, you know, non-partial or non-partisan yeah. to your own, like how you see the world is super helpful. And I, mental health has been one of the other like categories I've really do- dove deep on into in the last probably year, year and a half or so. And it's just oh, kind yeah? of, yeah, like it's just been. So I'm not diagnosed with anything, but I think it's a sorely, um, like it's underutilized in the new areas of science that, you know, the idea of throwing a pill at it is not much, it it drives me insane, basically. (laughs) I I, I just don't, (laughs) I just don't think when you have some sort of mental health issue that, that saying, hey, take this drug, it's going to make you feel better. And then, you know four or five months down the road, you're gonna have to take another one because that one doesn't work anymore. And it costs you so many dollars to take these things. It's just so insane to me. You know, I, I yeah. much rather, I'd much rather d- take the idea of building your own tribe and a community of people that you feel comfortable around and sharing your innermost thoughts and like, Hey, I'm having a bad day today, guys. Like, what can you guys, can you guys help me or like send me a text or anyone can get a phone call, stuff right. like that. Like you're just making a, a social context. Cause I think basically it's, a, it's a belonging issue. In, in many, in, not basically, but in, in many scenarios, if it's yeah. feeling like we're connected to each other. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and going off of that too, like I've noticed living in Baltimore, like unfortunately there are a lot of, you know, lower income areas mm-hmm. right in the city, right. right next to like, you know, really nice parts and like. Isn't that crazy? I, I, yeah, it's really crazy. Like Baltimore is very like. It's yeah, it's crazy. I go but when I go to the hospital, you know, I see like people from lower income areas and stuff like that. But I think and like I've talked about this too with like a lot of people around me, like it's hard for people in lower income communities to get this support and resources right. or to even have a friend group or a social network, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because because they're they're spending their time, okay, they gotta figure out how to get their money, how to get their Yeah, they you just know, have to pay their cover bills. the basics, right? I mean it's just right. the Maslow's hierarchy of needs at, at exactly. the end of the day. Exactly. And that's why there's so much, you know, drug problems, alcohol mm-hmm. problems and like 
I don't know. I just really believe that, yeah. like, I think there could be more support. In yeah, there's a there's a journalist. Um, so I read his book. He's got two books. The first book, his name is Johan, Johan Hari. He's okay. uh, from the UK. And so he's a journalist that done a whole bunch of uh, writing on first addiction and then anxiety and depression. And so the first book is basically why people become addicted. And what that basically is, is they are using drugs to cover up some sort of discrepancy in their life, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's filling a void. Right. And so then yeah. that leads into the conversation of anxiety, depression and all those things. And so he looks at basically the societal causes of why people become depressed or have anxiety. And I've combined that look of the world with a different book called um, tribe by Sebastian younger. And so that book is kind of a, so it's a look at PTSD and the military. And so what happens is when, you know, soldiers come back from war or wartime, they wind up having, you know, a really hard time readjusting to modern society. Yeah. And so what it, the way he describes it, and I'm probably paraphrasing this terribly, is, you know, when you are in wartime, you have all those people that are your, you know, your brothers and sisters in arms, and you're going to live and die, and you're eating and sleeping and, you know, with those people every day, and you know that person to your left and your right has your back, and then you, that you lose that you know tight knit community and go back into modern society where you become another cog in the machine to make it as <laughs> scary as possible. Uh, <laughs> you it's, know, that's, it's so sad. Well, it's like, even worse too because you don't you can't spend time with your family. You know, you have to work eight hours a day. Right. You have no, like, and then you're tired when you come home and then you do the same thing for five days a week. Like no wonder people like want to blow their brains out sometimes because it's just, yeah, seriously, you become, your job doesn't matter too. Right. You can just be replaced. Right. You're replaceable. And how shitty does that feel? Oh, you're replaceable. Yeah. Like that's a great way to feel, you know, (laughs) I don't do anything really special. Like my boss doesn't care. All he cares about is quarterly report or whatever. Like, you know, if you sat behind a computer and that was like all you did every day is just staring into it, you know, the matrix of spreadsheets or whatever, like. Exactly. It, I, to me, when you like lay out these societal issues and look at it, broadly speaking, I'm just like, okay, no wonder, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. No wonder. And it, it sucks. I think, Cause then, yeah. And then, and then modern or Western medicine then is their solution is like, well, people have these issues and it's too late to like, you know, part of like modern medicine's issue is. It's like, well, your numbers look good for now, but we'll keep an eye on it and we'll let you know when you need to start taking a drug, right? But <laughs> exactly. the idea of pre- preventative medicine, it shouldn't be like, well, this is starting to creep up. Let's like get you on a new diet first and then we'll make sure that you don't ever have to take the drug, you know? But the problem is that doesn't make them money. <laughs> 100%. You're so right. It's so true. I think there needs to be like a serious shift in our, you know, modern medicine yeah. viewpoint. Absolutely. Because I, I think if you if you start looking at these things early, you know, I think people like us who are, you know, in their 20s now and able to do all this research on our own and practice these things early and see like, hey, this works for me. And then being upfront about it and be like, hey, we need to start talking about these things because by just pretending like they don't exist and taboo them doesn't get help anybody else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's cool about our generation. Like, I know I'm, you know was like oh you know our generation isn't very good at conversation but this is true about our generation that we're good at voicing things and like mm-hmm. being really honest I, I hope that in the future that makes a shift in in you know in our policy and our viewpoint yeah. and all that well it's funny though like I mean even on this podcast alone um 
we've had three people already, so you included, have already voiced their own internal struggles. Mm. You know, and it's, I love it. I yeah. love it too. And I, I think the more people that talk about it, the more people that can be like, oh, okay, so maybe maybe that could help for me, right? And, and you know, maybe someone else has their own type of boxing, you know, whatever that they use. You could it could be pottery, it could be art, it could, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be physically like that in a way, but it, it could be whatever, you know. I, and I think the more we talk about it, the more it disseminates these things. And it's cool too, is like, you know, even though you're halfway across the country, you're you're circling around these ideas of people, even in my own friend group still that I would agree with you and just all the people <laughs> that I've met who've who've heard the podcast, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like I totally get that. <laughs> yeah it's so yeah. really cool I, I really it is cool and I was I, I'm gonna be honest with you I was like a little nervous to share that today but mm-hmm. I felt like ready and like it was necessary yeah. you know like it's it's like I, we should be sharing this kind of stuff no we, I, I think the more you share the more we, like so I'm I'm part of this is is about you know talking about what works for like myself and each other and stuff but the other yeah. part of it is being candid about the struggles we've been through because I think the more we share about just here's our my trajectory, the more we realize that we're all the same and we're all dealing with the mm-hmm. same issues. And so in the world today where the political climate is is so I mean, not even just political, just where everything is so divisive, you know, and so like why well, I don't like you because you're your ex, you know, fill in the blank <laughs> label, whatever you decide to draw the line on. True. You you don't need that. Cause at the end of the day, we're all people and we're just trying to live better lives. And however we see it. And I just think that being able to, you know, like one of my ba- like best examples for this is like dieting, right? So people get really zeality and religious <laughs> of about diets, right? You, you hear all those like paleo guys or vegan guys or whatever, choose your diet. <laughs> they get really upset and hung up on one thing. But if you dissolve their entire argument down to whatever they get hung up on, all they want to do is eat healthier, period. And both of those groups are eating healthier than the standard American diet. And so they both win. <laughs> They're both winning. It's true. You're <laughs> so right. Like, you're right. You're both and winning, think- but you're just getting hung up on the semantics of both of it. Like, God, stop it. You would, you should just be hugging each other that you're both trying to make a positive impact in your own life. Again, <laughs> it's back to like that overactive <laughs> mindset. Like, you don't need to be thinking about all of these or analyzing and judging. Yeah, and yeah the this. judging. It's like- I think the judging is huge. Right, right. The judging. I mean, we judge everything, you know, everything we see. I think if we can take away some of that judgment, that'd be mm-hmm. really helpful. Yeah, because I so I, I wound up taking a super moderate view on most things where it's like, OK, I can see why people like paleo and are yeah. vegan or whatever, or vegetarian. Like, I see why that is. But I still don't think that you should throw out everything because there's there's a reason why we have to eat meat. Right. From just a, a biological standpoint, like. If you if you look at the science yeah. for like like being paleo or vegan or vegetarian, you still have to take vitamin B12 because that's mostly found in red meat and stuff like that. And so if you're having to supplement something that would found naturally, I'd much rather take it in naturally than to. <laughs> You'd rather eat a steak than eat a vitamin. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just better, right? I, I, right. No, I, I 100% am with you. Yeah, <laughs> I get you. You know, I, so just like just, you know, you can still figure out ways to make it less. You know, I, I get the other moral issues of it, you know, and then at that point you can kind of be like, okay, if you're trying to be moral about it, you could try to go and eat like mollusks, like shellfish, because technically they don't have a central nervous system, so they don't feel pain. So they really, so by eating that 
they don't. Right. So it's like a nice alternative to it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So that's like your moral issue because realistically, say you're like farming, um, like soybean or something. Mm-hmm. Those are like super mega farms, right? And so when they're like going through those with the combines or picking those plants, they're chewing up any animals that were in that field. Like if you you can look it up online where you see like fields that have been fr- like freshly reaped and they have like vultures or like hawks fl- flying around the fields after they've been because there's animals in it, you know. Uh, so you, like wow. so you, yeah. there's no there's no such thing as no death, right? And I mean right. even plants are living animals too, so it's true. <laughs> it's true. It, it, you know, we we all need to, we need energy to survive, right? So it's it's kind of one of those <laughs> things you can't you can't eat something that's already dead or has no energy to it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, all these things. Like I spend so much time thinking about how to get people to to slow down in their own thinking, right? Because I'm assuming you've seen it, right? Where people get mm-hmm. too too wrapped up into their own stuff, like especially on Facebook, where they start arguing past each other. Like they're just giving yeah. each other talking points, but they're not even like communicating anymore. Right. It's just like <laughs> throwing ideas at each other. Like rather, I think we need to listen more, you know, like yes. listen to each other, really listen. And it's okay to disagree, but first listen, you know? Yes. L- listening is huge. And I, I think you probably get a better version of listening too, right? Because you, you have to look at like body cues and like from like just looking at boxing, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It has helped me tremendously in listening. You know, I wasn't, I'll be honest before all this, you know, happened to me, I really wasn't an all-star listener, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've realized this and I've come a long way with it, but I, yeah, I mean, boxing really helps with like, like you said, body cues, how people Mm -hmm. move, facial expressions. You know, I'm really good at reading people's faces and what they feel, if they need a break, if, you know, I I have to, you know, because sometimes people won't tell me (laughs) and then they throw up on me. Oh no. (laughs) Not, not on me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But then they're they're in the corner. Oh no. (laughs) Right. Right. So like just reading people, listening to people, I think there's nothing better than being listened to. Yeah. You know, like everyone wants to be listened to. I know. And I think that's the magic of, you know, me and my friends are starting to call the microphone the the proverbial campfire. Because oh, I love it. There, there's something about when you turn this thing on and people just, it's like it's okay to say things, you know, that you normally mm-hmm. wouldn't say. And because it's yeah. like a judgment or something. I don't really know. It's weird, right? Because like, I agree. I feel so, that too. Yeah. <laughs> in so many podcasts that I've listened to myself is it, almost like probably once a podcast is someone says like, man, I've never said this online on air before, but you know, and then they, they go in and do their spiel about a story that was like really <laughs> impactful for them. And I'm like, that is so weird. <laughs> and you're like, you should have shared that before. But. Yeah. <laughs> like it's one of those things, you know? And I think too, is like, because everything's so quick now, right? Like we, with Twitter and Facebook and the news media cycle, everything's, you know, five minute blurbs or 480 mm-hmm. characters or, mm-hmm. yep. or one, what is it? 10 second stories on Instagram or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. There's a definitely a limit. I can't remember what the limit is. Yeah. But I, I mean, mm-hmm. I barely ever do it. So it's kind of one of those things, but like, you know, everything's fast. Right. And then when you, when you change the format and you go long, you know, like these podcasts on average, we're about an hour, hour and a half, you can't take one of these conversations and you can take it into five minutes because we've talked about so many different things that, true. you know, you just, so it's just true. not possible. And then you right. get so much more value out of it because you're able to go nuanced and you're able to be like, oh, 
Because maybe, because right. maybe like you do disagree with the initial point, but then they wander into something else that clarifies, and you're like, okay, never mind. Can't be angry now. I get it. I see where they're coming right. from. Right, right. <laughs> like, how would you sum up our conversation in a in a tweet? You know, like I, it's I can't. Just, it's picture. just impossible. I mean, you'd have to do like a hundred different tweets to just. You'd have to be live tweeting the conversation. <laughs> well, can I just say too? Like, I love yeah. that you're doing this. I love that that's like. A driving force behind what you're doing you know yeah. like that's it's important you know in it's our day and age important. to kind of slow down and listen and mm -hmm. talk to people so thank you thank you for your work <laughs> seriously I mean, I mean it it's just like this is a super passion project for me like how I came up with it was I was in a creative zone one more in one night and I stayed up late and I was working on stuff and I tried to go to bed and my brain was still f f kicked into high gear and I had this idea I was like what do I want to do like because I always had this idea of doing something with all of the things, like how my life has changed basically. And I hadn't really had like super like impactful moments or anything like that. It's more of like putting things in front of myself and be like, well, this is your new goal and you're going to make sure it happens. And, you know, you're like <laughs> saying you, you can't back out. You've already committed. Like uh, Tough Mudder was one of those things for me. And, mm. um, and I basically like went to bed and it was like, all of a sudden I had like this idea feeding curiosity. I was like, that's fucking good. And I just knew, like, I, I went to sleep and I'm like, I need to write this down. I immediately got out of bed and, like, grabbed my phone and put it in my notes. And I was like, you need to remember this. And, oh, and, and then, like, wow. And then, like, the next morning I I'd, like, texted all my friends. I'm like, dude, I got the idea. Like, this is a thing, you know? And, and like, after that, that it, like, turned – I had my own personal website at the time. And then I transitioned that into Feeding Curiosity, bought the domain and – you know, kind of the rest is history. And it was a slow start. I mean, we didn't really have uh, a plan. I just knew we wanted to do podcasts. And at first it was just kind of like me and my friends talking about these ideas, you know, these things that people don't talk about every day, right? Maybe they do yeah. think about them, but they're not able to share them publicly. Right. And then eventually it got to the point where I'm like, well, I know all these interesting people that are weird and they, not, not weird in a bad way, but like don't have. <laughs> right. Di different. Yeah. Yeah. They're just different. They have like different upbringings <clears throat> and stuff. And I, was able to be like, hey, you got, do you want to come on my podcast? Like, I would love to hear your, your side of the story and like what you have to say and like just who you are, right? And get that. And, and since then, it's been this huge inflection point in, in the trajectory of where this is going. And I, I, I don't make any money on this yet, but I, I don't care, really. <laughs> like, it would be amazing to do that. And I, it, it's just really amazing to be able to have the opportunity to, to be the conduit for people. <laughs> I love that. We need more people like you. Seriously. Like, that's beautiful. Really. Seriously. I, I really appreciate that. It, it means a lot because this is <laughs> because, like, I mean, like the idea of feeding curiosity has like so many layers because like I, ne I don't ever expect to sell this thing or whatever it is. Like, you know, it means something to me. It means yeah. something to every person that reads that name. And it means something yeah. to the conversation that we're having right now. And then it means something to the listener, you know? And yeah. So it's just interwrapped layers of things because, like, you know, it goes back to the idea of I've never want to box myself in. And mm -hmm. 
And so I get to have these conversations with people about everything. And I'm just like, yeah, that's freaking cool. <laughs> I, just love people, I just love hearing people's things about what gets them fired up because then that gets me fired up about what I'm fired up about. Same. <laughs> or, or it makes it's, you like want to go and try what they're doing. I'm like, dude, I want to go learn that. Like, I'm already thinking like, well, if I'm ever in Baltimore, Maryland, I'm going to like stop by your gym. <laughs> like, you know like, it, you better. <laughs> I mean, that's like all part of it. It's just so cool to me to like, yeah. you know, just make this, you know, invisible, this tribe that is, at once online and then uh, all together, like all over the, you know, we're all connected through two similar mindsets, you know? It's true. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a wonderful way to say it. And like the fact that you have that passion and that drive behind your, your podcast and like you do it just because, just because you like it, like yeah. that's, that's wonderful. And like, not everybody can say that about their lives, about what they do, you know? And like, yeah. I, and I feel that way about boxing too. Like, I feel like even if I weren't making money, like, and sometimes I don't make money on a session. I, I know I give free sessions to people mm -hmm. and in, in that, in that same thought, like it's okay to me. Like it's okay because I know that it's like good for me, good for them and like good for our energy value, and right. Yeah. Like there's way. something more to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to me. Like the, you know, if, when you give a free session of boxing, right, it's kind of hard I mean, anything with working out, right? You can't, you can explain the benefits and how good it feels to, for you, right? Because you've been doing it for so long. Right. But you can't, like, someone who's never done it and hasn't done it enough isn't going to have that same, like, oh, yeah, this, it makes sense to me. It feels amazing, right? They're not going to have that, like, visceral reaction to it. They have to see it for themselves before they, they can say, oh, yeah, I get it now. Exactly. And the good thing about boxing is boxing really does speak for itself. So, yeah, I mean, I have a couple of my friends who got into MMA stuff with like Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and things like that. So, and I've tried it myself already. So I, I, I know, I know a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, come on over to Baltimore. We'll see what you got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've tried it. I'm not, I'm not good, but <laughs> that's I, all right. I, I've at least forayed a little bit and I, and I want to do it more because I, I really enjoy the, the, like functional fitness and moving the body is is one unit kind of thing is is more my my speed on things like I got really into kind of going back to Tough Mudder when I had first started working out uh, that's like four years ago now I had started doing all the stuff and basically the I was drinking like six cans of pop every day before this <laughs> wow yeah it was terrible I, my diet was garbage and I, I basically <laughs> Woke up one morning and I was like, all right, you're done drinking pop. I just quit that day. And I went to the gym and signed up for a membership and then said, all right, here's the, here it is. And uh, I basically had this idea of like, you know, the beginner's mind, like, cause I had, um, I had done working out a little bit in high school, you know, with the weightlifting gym or whatever. And yeah. I did football freshman year, which was, I'm not going to say a mistake, but it was totally, <laughs> you know. I was this, I was kind of like the the juxtaposition you were in where I was like five one to one hundred and ten pounds freshman year so basically the <laughs> smallest guy on the team and zero athleticism. <laughs> I love that you did it though. That's so cool. Yeah, my friends my friends talked me into it who were both six feet tall and somewhat athletic. So I don't know how that, I don't know how that happened, but it did. And but I still had those memories of like you know and I was like twenty one at the time when I started going back to the gym. So it was kind of like okay, well. You need to for like you don't forget about everything, but like forget about the ego, like the the weight, like the number of weight, like how much weight you were putting on the bar, like whatever the movements were, like you just need to start absorbing everything. And so yeah. I, you know, I started, I just like 
self-taught everything and like went on to bodybuilding.com and just started reading. Just like if I was at work and I had some downtime, I was reading. If I was in the bathroom, I was reading. It was like, it was like everything I was doing was just absorbing information, how to figure this out. And like, I literally turned like, you know, something I had assumed was like bro-y and like, you know, jockey. Yeah. And I turned it into a science, like legitimately. I was just like, all right, so how does the body move? And like, what does that mean? Like, how does it affect the muscle? And then like, you know, <laughs> you know, right. the, the engineering. You made it work. Yeah. yeah. You made it work for you. And like, right. I like how you said you dropped the ego. Yes. That's very important. I think when starting anything new, yes. right? Yes. Because it's like when you don't give your, like you can go in and you can compare yourself to someone else next to you who's like ripped or whatever, but you don't know how long they've been doing it. Like you really don't. You know, and I think it's that's, the, you know, before we started recording, we kind of talked about that where people sell themselves short in high school because you don't know who you are and you'd assume like people already got themselves figured out because I think the groups are more distinct in high school. Right. You know, you got the jockey people or the whatever. And, right. You know, all the sports people or whatever. And mm-hmm. you kind of assume that, oh, they've already they're just better than me. Or at least I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like they're just better. They're just prettier. They're just cooler. Yeah. They're just this. They're and just so that. Yeah. Now that I think about it, when I go back, I'm like, you know, I see guys that are like, look like bodybuilders at the gym. And I'm like, well, obviously those guys have been doing it for, you know, five plus years to look like they do. Right. And they're dialed right. in and they do all of this extra stuff because this is their thing. Right. And so that's th- that kind of gave me the OK. It's like, OK, like just because he's there and you're here doesn't give doesn't make, make your attempt any less viable. Exactly. <laughs> so true. And I think comparison can really take away joy, you know? Oh, absolutely. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's important whenever you're starting something new to just go in with a mindset like, okay, I'm like a baby to this, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm like, like you said, absorbing everything. That's how I felt <laughs> when I started boxing, too. It's like, yeah. I knew nothing about holding, you know, pads on my hands and letting people hit them. But, you know, it takes <laughs> practice and it takes reps. And, you know, Ron and I always talk about it like, it just takes more reps, more yeah. reps. Get your reps in, you know? Do you guys follow any specific, like, boxing, like, uh, coaches or instructors or anything like that? Like, any of the famous guys? Just out of curiosity. Um, do we follow them, like, on Instagram, you mean? Just, like, yeah. If, like, there's any specific kind of teachings you guys follow. Just out of curiosity um, if anyone's, so like, he's... super into boxing. Not really as far as, like, famous or, like, big-time people. Yeah. Um, Ron has been, you know, he, he learned from someone named Felix Cortez mm-hmm. and um, another person named... Uh, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard? Have yes, you heard of that yes, name? yes, I have. Yeah. So he was, he boxed at um, Sugar Ray Leonard's gym in DC. So oh, like, really cool. he has like those two influences and mm-hmm. both are like just amazing, like martial artists, mindfulness teachers, you know, like all the above boxing coaches. So like Ron has luckily got like a lot of experience from them and like great coaches over mm-hmm. the years. So like Ron is like a great, great teacher as far as yeah i was gonna say because he's been absorbed it for so long he doesn't need to have like you know a super specific background or like mentor i guess yeah and he's had mentors over the years and like he still does have like you know people who he looks up to and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. right now he's just kind of grinding and doing his thing with it you know yeah that's awesome so and yeah and we're also teaching um self-defense classes too which has been fun so what does that cover that covers like every kind of like um basically like we call it like the the no stance so like helping women helping people and any any person but mostly women feel comfortable mm-hmm. like if someone were to come up to them grab their purse someone to come up to them grab them um just to feel comfortable comfortable to say no and like it's like basically like non-aggressive positioning so we always encourage people to try not to be aggressive because right. that that in- influences aggressive aggressiveness back 
Um, and it basically talks about different postures, different stances, and then different hits if, if need be. So like we yeah. get to like, and then we get to groundwork if, if need be, you know what I mean? So yeah. like there's all sorts of different things that we teach, but it's, yeah, it does, it relies on the principle of non-aggressive positioning. That's pretty cool. Like it's cool that you guys have like this little like duo basically about like your, your whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's been really fun. And like, I feel like with anybody else, like I would want to like hurt, like not kill them, but like every day working with them, living with them, playing right, with them. Yeah. I that's mean, hard. But like, I think with, with Ron and I, I don't know, we just, we clicked, it you just know, works. I'm glad we found each other. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think that's half, you know, it's half the battle just finding, being able to just be comfortable at all times. And I think having, yeah, I, I think also having that like really close connection of being able to, you know, he felt okay enough to like come help you in the hospital when you needed it, needed it most. And, you know, just, get you out of the, the zone kind of, or that right. mode. I think and that really like, adds something. Yeah, it does. And like, he hates hospitals, like hate. Oh, really? Hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> he's had, so, he, yeah, he's had like a, uh, a few bad experiences with mm -hmm. them. I mean, who hasn't? Right. But yeah. you know, I think it, it did show a lot that he came and supported me there. And yeah, I mean, our relationship has been through it. You know, we've been through right. a lot mm -hmm. of ups and downs, but here we are and we're still teaching together so that's really cool i mean everyone has their crucible right so to speak they have that thing <laughs> that, that, that puts them through what they need to be you know it's true yeah the cross yeah mm. absolutely and i'm glad i mean back when it happened you know like i felt like it was the worst thing in the world mm -hmm. but looking back on it it was such a blessing because it, it forced me to slow down it forced me to you know look inward and find myself yeah and i mean i think that's super important being able to to go through something and, and once you get through it and being able to re-reference it and be like, oh, wow, well, that actually was really important, right? And I've been right. doing a lot of that myself lately, just trying to yeah. figure out, you know, the quote, the idea of trajectory and where things have gone and how you even got here. <laughs> right. 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 Because it's true. It's like we just kind of like brush off these past experiences and, and sometimes dwell on them in a negative way. But yes. it's, it's better, too, to reflect on them in a positive way and how, how they've shaped you. Cause true. It's so true that negative experiences, negative, negative experiences really do shape you. Yeah. I mean, they do. And I mean, you know, the, the human negativity bias too, that we all carry where we're always more, more apt to remember anything bad that happens to us than anything good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You the know, unfortunate bias. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. You know, I mean, that's the reason why the news media is mostly negative. <laughs> it, yeah. because we have this inbuilt thing. I mean, it's, I mean, to kind of go back to it is it's, it's because of the way we're designed biologically. We have to be in tune to danger. And now our danger sense is about negative events in most ways because our, you know, most of our society is pretty nerfed. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, you got it. And so. That's right. I don't, I don't know if you have anything else to add or any other stories that you have to share because we've already hit our, an hour. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> it really does. I can't believe it's been an hour. Man, it's been great talking to you. Um, I don't really have much else to share. I feel like, yeah, I've, I've shared what I what I wanted to and cool. I appreciate you. Thank <laughs> you for having me on the show. I really show. appreciate it. You know, it was totally off the cuff and I'm really glad you wanted to do this and it really means yeah. a lot. It's always fun to be able to talk to people and reconnect after so many years. It, it really been, is. It's probably been, what, 10 years almost? Oh, my God. <laughs> that makes me feel old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so oh, this has been fun. And I, this has ever, been fun. If I ever find myself in Baltimore, I will definitely make sure to send you a message. 
That's right. You know you got a spot in our gym on the mitts with me. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. I would definitely do that. I mean, the idea too is once I'm done with school and stuff is to travel and see as much of the world as possible. You know. Oh, that's you know, great. Take take the yeah. podcast on the road or something and Oh, that's a good idea. You, know, you just start seeing as many people as possible and whatever that form that takes it. It'd be really fun to do that. <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah. You sh- yeah, you should totally do that. You'd be great at that. <laughs> All right, Diana. Thanks. Thank you, Eric. It was great talking to you. Yep. Till next time. All right. Sounds good. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it and learned something, and hope you fed your own curiosity. You can support the podcast directly at anchor.fm slash feedingcuriosity, one word, slash support. Also, I'd like to thank the sponsors for this podcast as well. And I'd just like to thank Anchor for being able to be there to give us the platform to have it out there on all the platforms available to us podcasters. With that, everyone, thank you all one more time, and I'll see you all next time.